Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. The sermon series objectives is that we want to inspire men to embrace their role as fathers and father figures in society. We want to encourage community to come alongside dads so that dads can learn how to heal themselves and be, take their place in their families. This, the sermon series seeks to establish a biblical uh, principle for the role of fathers and understanding the father role in society. We aim to address the negative perspectives about fathers and we want to call up a challenge to fathers around one, how we understand our fathers better, but also to understand our Father in heaven better. And so I don't know how many of you have ever studied for an exam. Uh, young people are studying all the time at the moment, right? And you know all the facts about Shakespeare, and you know all the characters about Kringer in the bus, and you know all the things that are about what's happening in the story, but you actually don't buy into the story. You don't enjoy the facts about what's happening. And so the only reason you're studying is so that you can pass at the end of the exam, but actually you're not interested in it at all. And that is the difference between having a head and heart knowledge about what you're studying. And if we think about this in our relationship with God, some of us know the Bible back to front. Some of us know what's happening. We know the characters. We've studied it. And if we had to do a Bible study now, you would pass it. But you actually don't love the character. You haven't have a relationship with the character in that relationship. And so you can have all the theology and still miss the heart of the Father. You can have all the Bible knowledge that you want and still get the Father wrong. And that's what we want to talk about. How do we understand who the Father is and who the Father isn't? And that we begin to understand that many of us have wounded hearts because of our fathers. In, in, in preparing for this, me and Tamsin were sitting and talking and thinking about when we start talking about fathers and how we relate our earthly father to our heavenly father, how those two are so misaligned around how we show up in society. If I just think about my own life, if I have to refer to God the Father, it's really difficult for me to refer to God the Father. One, my father died when I was six years old, and so understanding who the Father is is really difficult for me. And even being a father now is really difficult for me because I have no role model around this. What do I do when we have this? What do I do when we have that? And so it becomes really difficult, one, to be a father. Secondly, how do I relate to God the Father when my biological father wasn't around? My stepfather stepped in, and he wasn't a really great example of what a father should be. And so when I think about my stepdad, and then I need to call God father, it becomes really difficult for me to make that connection, because my stepdad was a really horrible person. And so when I'm praying our father, it really feels discomforting for me. And so how do we begin to understand who the father is and who the father isn't? So well, let's start with, with who God isn't. Um, there's a trend in society at the moment that because of this great hurt that we have of fathers in our lives, I'm seeing people wanting to refer to God as mother. I've been in church services where people are praying mother God and reaching out to mother God. And, and, and so when we look at scripture, it's interesting that God has been, there's a metaphor uh, and feminine Imagery used for God 26 times throughout Scripture. 
Um, Deuteronomy 32, 18. You have forgotten your God who gave birth to you. Isaiah 42, 3 to 14. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now like a woman in childbirth, I will cry out, I will grasp, I will pant. Isaiah 63, 13. As a mother comforts her children, I will comfort you. And so throughout scripture, we see imagery around who God is assigned to female characteristics. And there's a real reason why people want to cry out to mother God and not father God. One is because of the hurtfulness that we've experienced of our fathers. And so it's much easier to connect to a mother God because our mothers have been there for us. Our mothers have nurtured us and it becomes easier for us engaging like that way. And I want to for one moment say that your pain is not invalid. We validate the pain that we as fathers have caused in your life. But by calling God mother doesn't really deal with the root of the issue that's happening inside of us and we need to deal with that. Another reason why we want to call God Mother God is this whole move of being more inclusive around seeing more gender parity in the Bible. And so we're looking for ways of addressing this inequalities that we see in society. And so if we feel that we call God Mother, we'll be more inclusive. But as I've read the scriptures and as I've done research, I haven't found any point in the Bible where anybody refers to God by title as Mother. And so that's really interesting for me. So God is not mother. God is not limited by our human imperfections. And so when we think about God, our father, he's not limited by what your father has done on earth. Our God is not detached or, or distant. And so when we think about God, the father, he's not some faraway thing. You remember that Bette Midler song, God is watching from a distance. He's not. Many people say God is a three-mile God. You know what a three-mile God is? It's somebody that walks alongside you. You walk at three miles, and so God is a three-mile God. He's close. He wants to be close to you. Our Father God is not punitive or vengeful. He doesn't hold a record of your wrongs. He's not waiting with a big stick to beat you. Our Father is not absent or neglected. He doesn't neglect you. He's not absent. He's right here in our presence this morning. He's right with you tonight. He's with you tomorrow. He's not neglected. And so if that isn't who our Father is, who is our Heavenly Father? The Old Testament says that God is referred to 15 times in the Old Testament as Father, according to some research. Um, and um, throughout the Old Testament, God is referred to, and so this is the Old Testament, right? God is referred to like a Father in the Old Testament. However, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, God is referred to Father 75 times, in the Gospel of John 100 times. And so in the New Testament, Jesus doesn't refer to God like a father, he reveals God as a father. And so there's a big difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so it is not like a father, but is father, is Abba father. And so in Matthew 6, 9, we are introduced to our Father. And we are introduced to God as our Father when Jesus says, this is how we should pray, our Father who art in heaven. Now, I hope my Connect Group members are not going to shout at me because I'm going to reveal some things that we do in our men's Connect Group. And um, I do apologize ahead of time. So we, we normally do a check-in. We say, we do a check-in. We say, how's things at home? And this is how and not only, and I'm not, it's not just my connect group, generally when I'm with men, we say, the dogs are well. The kids are well. 
the wife is well. I've never heard women refer to their husbands as the husband. Do you refer to? Have you ever said like the husband? Like, I don't know, me, men, we go, the wife is well, the kids are well. I don't think wives refer to us as the husband, uh, unless we're in really big trouble. And then we say, the father is well. Versus where I needing to challenge myself to say, my dogs are well. My kids or our kids are well. My wife is well. And I need to start saying rather than the father or my time with the father is well, I need to start referring to my time with my father is well. And so I need to start changing the language I refer to God not as the father, but as our father, as my father, and start referring to him in that way. And so part of Jesus' mission on earth was one, is to set this mission straight or to set the record straight around who the Father was and the heart of the Father. If you look at Jesus' testimonies, when you look at Jesus' parables, most of them are about the Father, about the heart of the Father. Think about any parable just about. It's always about this relationship between the Father and the Son, the Father and His children and how He relates to them. And so we want to talk about the parable of the prodigal. Now what's interesting is that often we say the, prodigal, the parable of the prodigal son, right? But the word prodigal means to spend resources freely, recklessly, being wasteful, extravagant, and giving something away in a lavish way. So I want to unpack the parable of the prodigal. So this father had two sons. Uh, a younger son and an elder son. The younger son wanted to get his inheritance early. He had a conversation with his father. I don't know how that conversation went. Said to the father, we're going on a mission. I want my inheritance now. The son got his inheritance and left. And with his big inheritance, the, father, the, the youngest son threw parties. He did his things. And within a couple of months, years, he spent all his inheritance, everything. He was now broke. He had no more money in the bank account, no more money on his pockets. And he, he, the, there was a famine in the land. And so he had to go and start working. He ended up working in a pigsty, And he was tending off to pigs. And while he was tending off to the pigs, he wished that he could eat the food of the pigs. That's how hungry he was. He was so hungry that he would be willing to eat the food that the pigs were eating. And he wasn't even allowed to do that. And while he's looking after these pigs, he remembers that his father has a house. His father has servants. And if he goes back and just asks his dad, can I become a servant in your house? Can I become your employment? At least I'll be able to eat. And so we pick up the story after the son decides that he is now going to engage with the father. And so in Luke 15, 20, 24, he got up. This is the father. So he got up and went and saw. Uh, so the young man got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. He ran towards his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quick, quickly bring the best robes and put them on him. Put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. We are going to have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine that was dead 
is now alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. And so is the story about a prodigal son? Or is the story, is Jesus highlighting the heart of the father? I think that the, the spotlight is on the father. And maybe for this morning, it's the spotlight is on the father. Because if we look at the father, the, pra- the parable of the prodigal father, who spends recklessly, freely, and being wasteful, extravagant, having given and given everything that he has to his son, rather than on other things. And if we look at the older son that stayed around, the older son was saying, Father, Dad, you're going to be irresponsible and spend our money on your son that wasn't here? You're going to really, really, Dad? You're going to spend all this money and have this big celebration for the son that, was, that, that deserted us? And the father's answer was simple. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to spend on my son that was no longer there, that is young. And so in many ways, the father now spends recklessly on the son that wasn't there. I love the way the, the, the message Bible puts it. Um, still a long way off, the father saw him. His heart was pounding. He ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. Um, the son started his speech, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son again. But the father wasn't listening. We are going to feast. And they began to have a wonderful time. This morning, as you were coming to church, while you were still a long way off, the father's heart started pounding for you. While you were still far away and driving on your way here or walking on your way here, God's heart was pounding for you. He was super excited that you were coming here this morning. He was running towards you. He is running towards you. And so whether it's this morning's service, whether it's tomorrow, I want you to know the Father's heart is for you. And when he sees you, his heart pounds. He is running towards you. He wants to embrace you this morning. He wants to kiss you this morning. He wants to welcome you into his home this morning. And many of you might have written a speech quietly in your heart saying, when I come to church, I need to confess. I need to come to church and say, I I, I don't really belong in this family anymore. I'm going to come to church and I don't really feel like I want to engage. Because maybe you're like that prodigal son that is saying, like, "I, I don't know if I can be in this place. I want you to know that the father isn't listening to you this morning. He's not listening to that speech, but he's not listening to you in that good way. He's not listening to why you can't be in his presence. He's listening to you because he wants to embrace you this morning. I really do believe that God wants to embrace some people this morning. And he wants to have a wonderful time with you this morning. And so God's heart for us this morning is is extravagant. It's lavish. It's reckless. It's a redeeming love that God has for us this morning. And so I want you to know that God our Father sees you this morning. You're not just a number in this auditorium. You're not just somebody that has just showed up to warm a seat. God sees you this morning. He wants to embrace you this morning. He wants to bring you clean clothes and he wants to give you, uh, he wants to give you honor and he wants to give you respect. He wants to put the family ring on your finger this morning. He wants to make you feel like you belong in this place this morning. Our Father wants to celebrate you this morning. 
And that celebration is not just for me and for you. It means that he wants to show his love to all creation. Just look at uh, Matthew uh, 6.26. Look at the birds of the sky that don't sow nor they reap nor they gather and bring into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How much more important are you than they are? And so even though God gives to his creation, he's giving to us. Isn't this comforting that we serve a father that wants to give you good things? Isn't this comforting we know that God knows your needs above everything else? I can just hear Jesus celebrating how good his father is and how wonderful his father is. If you look at Luke 11, 11 and 13, which of you are fathers, uh, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And if you then, uh, and then though you are evil, oh, even though you are evil, know how to good, give, good, give, good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit, give you? Right, And so this morning, what gift is the Father giving you? What is the Father going to do for you? I know for me this morning, leading up to the sermon, God is reframing the word Father, the gift of what Father means to me. I remember one day my stepdad saying to us that if we don't call him Dad, he would not feed us. And so we started calling him Dad not because we loved him, not because we wanted to, but because we were forced to. And so when I think about the unconditional love of God, it begins to blow my mind, right? That I can call God Father, and it's not a, I don't have to. I can choose to do that. do that this morning. So I'll never forget when Jenna was born, uh, holding her in my hands, still a little bit dirty from whatever was happening holding it. Sorry, Jenna. Um, and I looked at her, and as a thing, she was quite useless. She didn't have a bank balance. She couldn't contribute to society. She couldn't dress herself. She pooped and vomited all over the place. And yet, we loved her to pieces, right? And so, when I looked at her, I started to understand what unforgiveness, that, that this unconditional love really means, right? That um, our love for her wasn't based off of her performance. It wasn't based off of her accomplishments. It was unconditional. And that's how the Father loves you this morning. Unconditionally. Not based on your performance. Not based on what you've done or what you're going to do. On your accomplishments, on your uh, merits. Your love for your father, the father for the love of our father for you is unconditional. And God's love seeks to heal you, seeks to heal your brokenness, forgive you, embrace you with open arms. When our kids were little, we used to sit in the lounge and they used to lay on our chest and they would fall asleep on our chest. It was amazing, at least on my chest. Did you fall asleep? Yeah, they did on your chest. And there was just something beautiful about the kids sleeping. In our arms. And so this morning, I want to encourage you that if you come to church and you fall asleep in the aisle, like some of you might have just done, you know, just closed off, it's got nothing to do with my preaching. It's got everything to do 
with sitting in the arms of the Father this morning and sleeping on his chest. And so from now onwards, I don't care if you sleep in the service because you're having a great sleep in the arms of the Father. And so as you come here this morning, I really do believe that God wants to celebrate your victories. Our Father wants to celebrate when you do well. He wants to share in your sorrows, and He longs to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. Not that head knowledge. He wants a personal relationship with you. Not that head knowledge that we talk about. Uh, Our Father doesn't love us out of duty. It's not part of His ten lists of things to do that He has to tick off the list and say, yes, I love Dorian this week. Let me move on with what I need to do. There is no, there's no duty that He's, that he's compelling Him to love us. He really, really loves us. When Tamsin looks at me in the morning and has put on new clothes and says to me, how do I look in these clothes? I am struck by duty to answer a particular way. And I'm in trouble either way. And so I follow the duty that is ascribed to me as to which she asked me. She doesn't do that. Um, but, but I'm just saying, you know. When you go to God and you stand before Him, He doesn't look at you and answer questions about you out of duty. He answered it out of a genuine love for you and appreciation for you. And so when our daughters come and ask us, Dad, how are you looking? And we say, you look gorgeous, my daughter, or my love, or my sweetheart. We don't say that out of duty. We say that because we genuinely mean it, right? And we're not supposed to say that. We don't have to say that. We choose to say that. And God the Father is saying that to each and every one of you this morning. You are amazing. I am with you this morning. I hope you get the Father's heart this morning. That you get our Father's heart this morning. That you get your Father's heart this morning. That His heart is for you. Can the Father, is the Father trustworthy? Do you feel that the Father is good? How do you answer that question? I'm really, really grateful that we've just come out of a season of a sermon series on suffering. And we can answer that question with, with, with fair amount of confidence that God is good. Because if we can't answer the question that God is good, then we're going to have a problem in how we relate to Him. We're going to have a problem around how we engage in loving who God is. And even though we know that God is good, in the Garden of Eden, there was a deception that said, did God really say that? Is God really, is He holding out on something on you? And I'm wondering how many of us have that question at us now. Is God really good? Even after six weeks of a suffering sermon series, is God really good? Are we listening to those lies that the evil one has put in our hearts? Because if we do, it is impossible for us to love what we don't trust. Because if we don't trust God, we believe that God is not there. We believe that God doesn't really care. And we believe that God is not really good. And when we believe those things, we then try to hide our disappointment when, when things don't go well. We try and live a life where we try to be controlled. We live with unsettled hearts, and we're really concerned about what people say about us when we show up in places. And we live to please people, and we're not ready to be loved or to love. And we begin to feel afraid that we're going to get caught out for who we really are. You know, when you're on the stage... You think you know your lines, and then you get caught out that you don't know your lines, and the sweat starts. So many of us 
are really fearful because we're going to get caught out. Many of us struggle with what we call imposter syndrome. But I want to say to you, but God, but our Father, He is asking the same question that He asked Adam and Eve. After they were deceived and they were hiding in the bushes, God comes to Adam, He comes to Eve, He says, Adam, Eve, where are you? This morning, God is walking in this place and He's saying, Lerato, where are you? Sam, where are you? Peter, where are you? What is going to be your response this morning? Are you going to choose to hide? Or are you choose to answer that question? How are you going to answer the question when the Father is asking, where are you? And so in John 14, 1, believe in me also, Jesus is asking you to trust him. John 15, 9, I have loved you. And Jesus is asking to be loved by you this morning. Are you going to reply to that love? Our Father, my Father, is not an absent Father. My Father isn't a present absent Father. My Father isn't, isn't a social Father. He's an all-present Father, the prodigal Father that would expend extravagantly for me and who I am. Our Father sees you today. Our Father's heart is pounding for you today. Our Father is running to you today. Our Father wants to embrace you this morning. He wants to put the family ring on you. Our Father wants to celebrate you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for who you are and what you are in our lives. Father, I pray for people as we go through the sermon series that are going to struggle through the sermon series because of how they understand the Father. Either some people in this auditorium during this Father sermon series will be reminded of a Father that they've lost. They'll be reminded of a Father that they wish they had. And for some of us will be a really difficult sermon series to get our heads around because of our understanding of what Father's arm. So Father, won't you prepare our hearts for the rest of the sermon series? That our hearts will be turned towards the Father over the sermon series. That after the sermon series, we will understand who our Father is and what does it mean to be a Father in society. Father, I pray for people in this auditorium that might not have experienced the Father's love. I'm praying for people in the auditorium this morning that may know the Bible, may know the Scriptures, may know the church liturgy, may know how to show up as a Christian but actually don't understand the Father, don't know the Father this morning. Won't you move on those people's hearts this morning, Lord Father God, that they will know that the Father longs for them. The Father's heart is pounding for them. And the Father wants to celebrate them this morning. And so, Father, I want to thank you for who you are in our lives and who you are in our midst.